Welcome to Requiem of the Outcast, coming to you live via your computer every month, bringing all the best in fan audio, web reviews, and all the tips and tricks for creating and promoting your projects. We're here to help you tell Hollywood, hey, nice try, but we'll take it from here. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Requiem of the Outcast. My name's Rich Sigfret, and I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm 25 years old. I'm married. I have three kids. I have a two-year-old son and two, as of this recording, four-month-old girls. I've been a fan of Star Wars from watching Return of the Jedi in the theater in uh, July 4th of 1983. I was about six years old, and I've been hooked ever since. I'm a big fan of fan-made creations, and with Digital Llama coming back, dealing with fan films, Nathan Butler dealing with uh, some of the literary uh, works of Star Wars, I realized that there was a big gap for fan audio productions, web comics, uh, fan forces, basically just about any way or thing that fans make or get together. So I'm hopefully here to help you, to help promote any projects that you have. And this show's coming monthly at you, so I hope you tune in next month also and all of the following months. StarWarsSpoofs.com is a website with humorous animated cartoons spoofing the Star Wars universe. So drop on by StarWarsSpoofs.com, see Darth Maul take on Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn in a lightsaber duel on Naboo. Visit the beautiful and graceful clones on Kamino. And watch as an Ewok steals a speeder bike on Endor. www.starwarsspoofs.com The greatest spoofs in the galaxy. And now it's time for the news. In the strangest reference to Natalie Portman in any news article ever, we find, thanks to TheForce.net as of July 29th, the Westerly Sun features a bizarre article involving two very strange men. Robert E. Brayman, charged by Connecticut State Police with conspiring to commit murder and third-degree larceny, and Hobart Livingston, a man police ordered to psychiatric evaluation at a new London hospital, and a reference to Natalie Portman. Livingston told police that over the years he had paid Brayman, a man he believed to have special spiritual powers, thousands of dollars for praying to protect people including actresses Natalie Portman and Jean Benet Ramsey. These spiritual intercessions allegedly were costly to him. Livingston said that of $322 a week he was earning recently while working at Foxwoods Resort Casino, he was paying Brayman 290 Livingston told police he had specifically paid Brayman $80 a week over 173 weeks for a total of $13,840 to protect actress Natalie Portman. According to the warrant, Brayman told Livingston that eggs had been implanted in Natalie and that if the eggs hatched, she would be invaded by creatures that would strangle off her oxygen and she would be torn apart from the inside out. And on a lighter note, PVP comic artist Scott Kurtz will be writing, drawing, inking, coloring, and pretty much doing everything for Star Wars Tales coming up in January or February. If you don't know, PVP is a great online free comic that deals with gaming, sci-fi, and on occasion, Star Wars. The story will answer the oft-asked question, what if John Hughes directed Star Wars? You'll see a blending of The Breakfast Club and our favorite genre. 
Scott Kurtz is a recent award of the Fanny for Best New Comic Series. Make sure you keep an eye out for this issue. It'll be good. Check out www.fanboyradio.com, the voice of comics, for their show and everything you want to know about comics. That is where the story originated from. As we all know, Cartoon Network will be running a series of Clone Wars cartoons. They will begin November 9th through the 20th in consecutive weeks. They will start at 8 p.m. and end at 8.03 p.m. That's right, they're only three minutes each. The end result will be 20 specifically animated shorts of two to three minutes in range, telling one continuous story of the Clone Wars, as well as side stories that branch out from the main. And our final story, listen very closely to the celebrity interview later on with Mr. Richard Lepomontier for a very special scoop on a possible upcoming fan film that he will be starring in. And that's the news. In the late 1990s, as production began on Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, it was revealed that the upcoming movie would show the planet known as the Galactic Capital of the Republic. Star Wars fans had known the name of the planet ever since 1991, when it was first revealed in the epic novel Heir to the Empire. The only question was, how do you pronounce it? Oh, dude, it's pronounced Coruscant. No way, man, it's pronounced Coruscant. The fans had enough trouble figuring it out. But what if the inhabitants of the Star Wars galaxy themselves didn't know how to pronounce it? In The Phantom Menace, when Jedi duo Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi attempt to leave the planet Naboo, they get a little sidetracked. I'm a master to the Supreme Chancellor. I'm taking these people to Coruscant. Where are you taking them? Wait, Master. We've discussed this before. It's pronounced Coruscant. You are pushing my patience with you, boy. I've brought you up into this world. I'll take you out of it. This is the epic tale of an incredible duel between Jedi Master and Jedi Apprentice over the pronunciation of the word C-O-R-U-S-C-A-N-T. I know I'm right about this, and that is fun. Oh, really, Obi-Wan? You want a piece of this? Oh, how I'd love to with your sorry excuse for a Jedi all over the city. Coruscant. Coruscant was written and produced by Jay Chipman, co-written and co-produced by Tracy Walters. Coruscant. Coruscant. Dramedy Productions production in association with Jaybird Studios. Visit our website at dramedyproductions.com. And on to the fan audio production review of the month. What I am reviewing has been described by Mr. Adam Bertacci as quite possibly the most criminally underexposed piece of Star Wars fan media in the world. I am referring to Star Wars the Musical. Here's a clip. Come on, Luke, you gotta help us. The rebellion needs you right now. Oh, wait. Crap, that was the wrong one. Um... It's actually the, the medley from the Formula soundtrack uh, that's performed by the Excalibur Kid. Hold on, I, I know I've got it. Here it is.
Ah, that, yes, that clip. That, of course, was from Star Wars the Musical. Now, this really is one of fandom's best-kept secrets. Uh, it's been around for a while. I found it about a year ago, and I've been trying to tell everybody that I can. I've given, uh, burned it on CDs, given it to people, and what comes back from from these people is that this is a good professional quality project and it really is it sounds fantastic you've got orchestra quality music you've got professional quality vocals and just some of the funniest funniest lyrics now it is serious but they made it as a as a joke and so what you get is really some great music some very catchy music and I tell you, some of the tunes will stick in your brain for a while. It's uh, great music, and of course you can find that at infomedia.com. That's I-N-F-A-U-X media.com. Now this, of course, is the very first originally composed, fully scored, and recorded concept album based on Star Wars. Now you cannot purchase this or get this on CD, the format that it's available in is MP3 format. What you do is you just go to the site, download the MP3s, and burn it yourself. Then you can listen to it over and over and over again. So now, here's my reviews. Of course, all of these are out of possible out of five. The quality is four. Great quality. No humming, no buzzing, no pops, none of the stuff that comes from the typical... Um, audio things that's based on Star Wars. That means that there's no, it's not uh, a MIDI file that you're playing. You're actually listening to professionally done music. Mixing is a five, five out of five, easy. The mixing itself is fantastic. The transitions are great and the levels are fine. There's not a problem. You can understand all of the lyrics. The acting slash singing is good also. I give that a five. The characters for they've got the personalities of the characters that we've fallen in love with. Now the story, of course, is a takeoff of canon, where they took the original story and they added a little to it with through some of the lyrics. Unfortunately, there hasn't been there's been little promotion for this, and that's why I put it on this show, and I hope that you tell others about it. Put it in, if you have a website, a Star Wars based website, put it in the links section. And my favorite track, my favorite part, has to be track 14, which is Confrontation. It, of course, deals with the Obi-Wan Vader confrontation. It covers all aspects of the music, fast action, slow, meaningful, sinister, everything. To me, it is my favorite one. Of course, the, there are quite a few others that I love. Docking Bay 94 is a good one. Uh, Do You Speak Bocce? Not Splotchy. Not Crotchy. But Bocce. Dark Darth Vader is another good one. There, there are just so many of them. There are so many tracks, and they're all funny. And also, as a extra, they included, done by a friend and fan, Todd Washburn. These are all hosted on the Infomedia site. They have uh, edited video of the original trilogy. It's as if everything was shot to the music. Of course, it was edited to make it fit. And it's worth the download and worth the look. That website, again, is infomedia.com, I-N-F-A-U-X-M-E-D-I-A.com. Star Wars the Musical, check it out. And here's Mr. Adam Bertacci with our Flash Tip of the Month. Hello, 
This is Adam Bertacci, and today we're going to learn a little bit about why Flash is an excellent format for saving movies to the web. See, Macromedia Flash didn't start out as an animation program. Technically, it still isn't, although that's what it's used for most often. It started out as a web design program for use in making dynamic website content. So this lecture is going to focus all about how you can stay within Flash's parameters to make a streamlined, easy-to-download Flash file. First off, we're going to learn about the Flash vector format. Flash operates in vectors as opposed to bitmaps. A bitmap, such as you would use in Photoshop or Paint, saves picture information in pixels. Little dots, so if you were to make a smiley face, if you were to make a smiley face with a bitmap program, they'd have a little black dot, black dot, black dot, black dot, yellow dot, yellow dot, yellow dot, yellow dot. Flash saves the shapes and the relationships between the shapes. When you draw a smiley face with Flash, you get a yellow circle, two black ovals that are kind of skinny for the eyes, and a black curve for the mouth, and you can make that smiley face as big as you like, as big as a, f as a football field, and there will be no loss of resolution, nor extra use of drive space. So you want to always use vectors in Flash, because they're going to save you a lot of room and make the animation play at the correct speed and look nice. Flash doesn't work well with bitmaps. You should avoid them. A lot of people don't quite figure that out. Another thing you can do to keep your Flash movie streamlined is to use symbols. When you make a symbol of the smiley face, that means you can use the same smiley face again and again and again, and it'll never take up any more room than having one smiley face. You can make it big, you can make it small, you can make it purple. As long as you just modify that one symbol over and over again, you can do anything you like. And that helps save a lot of space. You can plan your movie out, even kind of storyboard it in your head, down to every movement. How can I reuse the same symbols and cut down on file space? Another thing you can do is to work within a predefined color space default pattern they have. For every new color you add to your Flash movie, Flash has to remember color information for that. There's lots of other things you can do to make your Flash movie streamlined. Frankly, as long as you don't see many more bitmaps, I'll be happy. Remember that you don't actually need to do all of this if you're going to be using Flash in a non-web format. For example, to export to an editing suite. You can use Flash for a lot of things, however, the web is its home, and nobody likes long download times. So if you're going to work with Flash, work with Flash the right way, the quick, easy-to-download way, and you and your audience will be a lot happier. Thanks, Adam. These Flash tips will be featured monthly, so if you are a Flash animator or looking to get into Flash animating, uh, we encourage you to listen because every month we'll have a Flash tip brought to you by somebody who is in the know in Flash. I was able to have a quick interview with Nathan Butler of Chrono Radio, also the creator and founder of StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Requiem of the Outcast and all Star Wars fan audio productions. Thanks for being on the show, Nathan. Can you handle being the interviewee instead of the interviewer? Well, I guess first, uh, thanks for having me. It's kind of weird being on this end of the interview thing, but I can deal with this. Why do you feel that Star Wars FanWorks needed to be created? Um, let's see, why I felt it was needed, honestly... It seems like fan audio was just getting a really good head start, really getting a kickoff, and then it kind of got slapped in the face. Because for the most part, when it comes to fan films or any of that, those communities, yeah, there are several of them out there, but for the most part, if you think fan films, you turn to TheForce.net, because that's where a lot of the more flashy ones are posted, that's where a lot of the publicity goes. So along with that, a lot of the community winds up on those message boards. 
And that community was sort of the breeding ground of this whole fan audio genre. You had Digital Llama Radio pop up, Chrono Radio in part popped up there, you had Smuggler's Run coming in later, you had Ted Alderman's Project uh, Resurrection popping up there, Second Strike grew up there, got a lot of the cast members from there. And all of a sudden, in the middle of summer 2003, Jeff Yankee, who of course has all rights to make the decision, decided, based on some requests that I'm not really sure were, were uh, uh, necessary at the time, that he was going to essentially slice fan audio off the message boards and give it its own board. And this was in answer to a few requests from some people who thought it was time. I honestly do not think it was time for our own message board unless there was a site specifically to gain attention. But it was split like that, so fan audio kind of got excised out of there and almost... Um, I don't want to say exiled from the community, but pretty close, at least in my opinion. So we get moved out of there, and this is right after about the same time that TFN Fan Films also says they will not be hosting any more fan audio projects. They'll keep Digital on Radio, because it was already there, and it's about fan films at times, and they'll keep Stormtrooper Bob, because it's grandfathered in, but nothing else, not even something like Rise of Nobility is going to get hosted. So I figure, well, you know... Somebody needs to do something to promote this genre and give it the kind of attention that a site like the Forcenet Fan Films is able to give to fan films and and promote this genre that's growing or else it's going to kind of fade out or it's going to always remain this little bastard stepchild of the fan production genre. So I decided if nobody else was going to do it, I might as well. All right, Nathan, that's why you felt it was created. What about you? Why do you feel that you needed to create the site? Well, I figured I personally, I was just sort of at an advantageous position. Uh, of all the projects out there, I'd been involved in quite a few. I'd been doing research on looking stuff up to write an article for Jedi Tax site, Tom Crawford's site that's coming eventually. And with Chrono Radio, Second Strike, Anthology, Context, a lot of fan audio of the newer stuff that was coming out was on the site that I was running anyway. And Lou Tambone, T-Bone of, of StarWars.com, StarWarsWithTheZ.com, just decided, hey, we want to do some kind of new site. What kind of things are you interested in? And we got to talking and decided, you know, if we're in this position that we really could do something like this, give it visibility and bring the genre to people's attention, let's do it. Because if no one else is doing it, someone who loves it needs to do it. And you need, it needs to be someone who loves the genre, not necessarily loves the attention of it. Because I'm really into the genre. I'm really loving it. And I want to promote it no matter where things are hosted. You know, hosting isn't my issue. I want to get the news out there and get people interested in it. Now, what do you feel that StarWarsFanWorks.com will do for the audio community? Basically, it's going to bring together news. It's going to bring together project hosting. Basically, just bring attention to the genre and essentially act as a central hub, hopefully, for Star Wars fan audio. A place where you can go for feature stories, news stories, to download things, to get news on things that are downloaded elsewhere, to get links to things you might not have heard of, things like that. Basically, again, like what the Force.net fan films has tried to do for Star Wars fan films, only I would say take the TFN concept, the TFN fan films concept, and merge it with the SWFanFilms.com, Star Wars fan film database concept. Merge those two together, that's what we want to do with FanWorks. What is your overall goal for StarWarsFanWorks.com? My goal is basically, aside from just getting a chance to have it act sort of as a hub, it's really to bring attention to the genre. Because I don't intend to stay in it forever. I'm not sure how many more projects I'm personally going to be mixing. But I love it. It's, it's, it's such a creative outlet. 
You know, uh, you've got people who, who are loving to write, who don't have access to the film technology, but they can do something in audio where the story has to pretty much carry everything. I love how pure that storytelling concept there is. And I, I want to give this genre a chance to grow somewhere where people can come together over it instead of just go to just random sites to download things. Tell us about some of the various hosting plans that StarWarsFanWorks.com provides for the audio creator. As far as that goes, as far as hosting goes, there's really four options. I'm not sure if hosting is necessarily the right word, but it's a, probably the best term for it, I guess. Is uh, we got four, and they just kind of change in the amount of, of responsibility there is on our part. The simplest thing is if you've got a fan audio project out there at all that is Star Wars related at all, and we know about it, we'll put a link up to your site no matter what. We'll just stick it up there and put a little thing about the creators on the bottom. Essentially, it's just a listing, like if you've seen the Force.net fan films and their listing of non-hosted projects, very similar to that. There's also a thing we call page hosting, which is what Rise of Nobility is doing with us, where we don't host any of the actual files, but we will host a page to get some attention for you, uh, staff information, cast, you know, cast crew information, and all that sort of thing, to kind of thrust it out there and give you a, give you um, some exposure. But then we'll be linking to your own whatever setup you already have for downloading the actual files, be it mirrors on different sites or your own site, and we'll provide a link to your own site if you happen to have created it. But we'll do that. Anyway, even if you're hosted with us and if you've got your own site, we'll point to it. There's a thing we call co-hosting, and co-hosting is basically where, sort of like what we're doing with Star Wars the Musical, we will host big files, like like the most important files, so it can take some of the burden off of you. We'll host a page for you. If you want to host your own website, go for it. Don't necessarily have to because you'll have the page with us if you want. But any little supplemental things, things that would be just kind of extra bandwidth draw that you want to add, that would be sort of on your site, and we'd provide a mirror also to let people know that they can also go to your site and download the actual thing. Essentially, the burden is cut in half between us and you, but it gives you some exposure. It gives us another project to say we're hosting, and at the same time, it doesn't put the burden too much on either party. And the other is just full hosting. We give you a page. We host the files. You know, the whole burden pretty much is on us. You don't need your own website or anything. Of course, that's going to be the one that's going to be a little harder to come by because we just got to keep better watch over, you know, our bandwidth and all that kind of stuff. But for right now, we're we're doing pretty well. And what does somebody have to do to join? Uh, to join the community, just go to the site, check it out, and there's an actually a message board at galacticsenate.com. There's a new fan radio and audio drama message board, which is based straight out of FanWorks. On that system, you can get to know some of the regulars there, but that is going to be moderated and run by me, so it's just basically a FanWorks kind of thing. And if you want to have your project listed with a, just a simple listing, just a quick link, all you got to do is let me know it exists. If you want a page hosting option, all you got to basically do is talk to me and we'll gather up some information for it and you know let me hear the final project. Uh, co-hosting, full hosting is just a matter of submitting it to me, letting me check it out, and we'll, me and Lou will be making up some determinations on things like that. Right now, kind of sky's the limit. There is no formal structure on submissions except just to let us know and say, hey, check it out. Any chance you want to do something with it? Thank you, Nathan. Thanks, Rich. And, of course, that site again is www.starwarsfanworks.com. Before she became senator. My noble colleagues, less than an hour ago, an assassination attempt was made against my life. Before she became princess. 
I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. Before she was queen. I am Queen Amidala. She met her destiny all alone in the forest of Naboo. We're experiencing engine trouble, and we're going to have to make an emergency landing. No, no. Professor Seiko is dead. I know. Both pilots are dead, too. Look, I think two of us need to go for help. There's got to be someone close by out here searching for us, and they have to have a comm unit. But little did she know. Look, Anona, in those trees. I still don't see anything. See where it looks like a log next to those shrubs? Oh, that's not a log. What she would find. No, no! Hey, I'm over here. Come get me, you monster. Get me. I'm a dog. Get back in Prince the Prince Shizor, welcome back to Naboo. Prince Varuna, the sordid plot that would threaten her world. Therefore, I shall put the question to you directly. I want to know where that harem is. And would change her life forever. I don't understand. I had a chance to get out, and I didn't. I could have grabbed the transport and flown out, or I could have run, but I didn't. I just sat there. I just sat there while everyone was counting on me. Finally, her story has a beginning. Rise of Nobility, coming soon. Now it's time for a gaming tip. I can't guarantee that these tips and info will come every month, but this month's gaming tip is brought to you by Erica Strafford. You can visit her website at www.ericastrafford.com. She has a specific section all about Star Wars Galaxies, the game in question today. I have the joy of interviewing Erica via Nathan Butler, and on with the interview. Now what does Star Wars Galaxy offer the gamer? Well, for the Star Wars action gamer, um, it, it gives them a chance to actually play the game with several online players. I mean, not just several online players, really, I guess. It's probably a little bit closer to several hundred thousand online players. I think the current fan base is somewhere around 500,000. And you're not just playing a game to win the game this time. This time you're playing the game to be a part of the Star Wars universe. There is no winning this game. You just, you're living Star Wars. What kind of opportunities are there for a gamer? There's a lot of different opportunities for fans in Star Wars Galaxy. You can just, one of the best one of the best things that I've seen within the game so far that people have been doing is they've been making movies of characters within the game. And they've been put, putting these movies up on the internet. Now, how can I get my copy of Star Wars Galaxies? Well, you have two different ways to get the game or two different ways that you're going to be paying for the game. One of them is um, you're going to be buying the actual game, the software, the box, the instruction booklets, all that kind of stuff. And there's two different versions of the game. There is the regular edition right now, which costs about, I think it's $45. And then there is the um, collector's edition, which costs $80. But the collector's edition comes with a bunch of new stuff. Like, um, I know you get a pin for Star Wars Galaxies. You get a sew-on patch that you can sew onto a jacket or some clothing. You get an art book that is exclusive to the collector's edition. And the instruction booklet for the game is signed by all of the developers. So how does the gameplay work? Are there quests? Um, it's a combination. It's a little bit of freeform, and um, then there are quests within the game which you go on. For example, you have to do missions in order to become a rebel or an imperial. Um, and the biggest quest in, throughout the entire game is, of course, the ability to be a Jedi, which 
Nobody has managed to figure that out yet, and the game has already been out for at least seven weeks or so. That's the biggest quest that everybody wants to get, but very few people are going to be able to get it because the timeline takes place where there's not very many Jedi in the game at all. So where do you like to go? Are there any places you recommend? Well, of course, being a female, I can definitely recommend Naboo or Endor. You can go to both of those, and they look pretty awesome. The landscape is just amazing. Um, as for points of interest, you probably want to go to Tatooine, go to Multiply Cantina, go to the um, Lucky Death Spot in um, Mos Entha. Uh Let's see where else. Corellia, you might just want to go to Coronet, see some of the big buildings there. There's a lot of different places of interest in the game. I still haven't even been to them all, and I've been playing since the middle of May. Now, I've heard of PAs. Are those player associations? PAs are exactly what you just said. They're player associations. And it's kind of, if you've ever played any other online game, it's like a guild. And what it is is you have a leader of the guild who is, um, they own what's called a PA Paul, and it's one of the biggest houses in the game. And then people within the PA have their own little goals. For example, I, the PA that I'm actually in, we're just pretty much a bunch of friends that hang out together. And um, there's other PAs that one that I'm good friends with is actually an Imperial player association and they go out and they actually attack towns and they try to take over towns and quote unquote bring order to them but since that's what the Imperials try and claim that they do they'll capture rebels and try and kill the rebels of course so it's pretty interesting about how many servers are there and do you know where they're located okay um the different servers I cannot remember the URL right now unfortunately but um there are several different servers. I think currently they have about 22, maybe 24, and they're all in North America. The one that I am on is what they call the unofficial role-playing server. That is for people that want to be in character, that actually have a background for their character and want to live that character's life every moment that they are in the game. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with role-playing or not, but you just have to come up with a character and you never leave that character's persona. It's completely separate from your own. And a lot of people actually enjoy doing that. It's almost like acting without a script. And a lot of people really enjoy doing that. So um, they come to this particular server. But it is unofficial. So there are a lot of people here that don't participate in role-playing. There's also, um, this is the one that I'm on is actually Starsider and it's on the East Coast. There's also one on the West Coast named Sunrunner that is pretty much the same thing. There are also other servers that are, have been designated by the fan base as unofficial um, PvP servers, which is player versus player. There are some that have been designated as the unofficial European server, since Europe doesn't actually have servers right now, the unofficial Australian server. So you just have to really get into the Star Wars Galaxy's um, fan sites and everything, and you can find out which servers are which. All right, now be honest. What downsides have you found? Um, well, I think a lot of the Star Wars fans will probably be most disappointed in actually realizing how insignificant some of the um, points of interest are. But, for example, you go to um, Luke's house, and it's pretty small, and a lot of people have mentioned, well, this is pretty small. What did I come here to look at? But then you also have to realize that you're traveling across an entire planet to see one teeny tiny little house. And... Um, there's currently 10 planets in the game, and you're going to see a lot that you recognize, and you're going to see a lot that you don't recognize. And a lot of the things that you may recognize may, be, may seem in, insignificant because the game is pretty huge. Would you like to tell the audience how to catch you online? 
Yeah, I guess I can. Right now, I am dancing in the Speed Cantina, which I, I'm pretty sure any Star Wars fan would know what Speed is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm dancing in the Speed Cantina on the Starsider server, and my name is Tigris, and that's T-Y-T-R-E-S-S. However, anytime you get into the game, if I am online at all, all you have to do is type slash tell space Tigris and then your message and it'll come right to me. Thank you, Erica. And thank you, Nathan, for facilitating this segment. Let me know if you'd like more segments on Star Wars Galaxies or any other Star Wars game. Meets from Lola Run. Hilarity ensues. Do I have time to say pom? Miss Abbott, the bomb on German art house. Pom! Run. Leia. Run. Underestimate the power of the dark side of spoofing subtitles of German dialogue. Available at www.runlayerun.com or force.net fanboys. Alright, now it's time for our free or cheap resource of the month. What I'm going to be talking about is for playback and recording of audio, it's Music Match Jukebox. And that, of course, is available at www.musicmatch.com. Now, most people know this as an MP3 player, but, but, but it does so much more. No, it doesn't chop, doesn't make fries, doesn't do any of that. If you want that, get some Cuisinart. This. Now, these are just the free features. It has the ability to record. It will convert from WAV to MP3 and vice versa. It will rip CDs. Yes, it does play MP3s, WAVs, and many other uh, many other formats. Portable device manager, and it's got a radio. Now, the Pro features, which of course you can upgrade for $19.99, and it is worth it. You get Burner Plus, which means that you can burn CDs faster. You can get more complete burning. CD label printing. Line-in recording, so you can record things through your auxiliary ports. Volume levels for adjusting volumes, I guess. I've never used that part of it. It's got a slideshow, and it's also got tech support. But, of course, if you really have any problems with it, it's always best to just reinstall it, or you can always find information online. All right, now I've used this software for years, never had any problems. Uh, my friends and my family use it. They've never had any problems. So chances are you probably won't be needing that tech support. Now, I know that most versions of Windows comes with a wave recording software or an MP3 player through a Windows Media Player. But I'm telling you, the conversion utility alone is completely worth downloading Music Match. And now for the details. The file size to download is 10.6 megs. Now, I know you're saying, Rich, gosh, that's an awful big one. But you know what? You can start it. Can go to bed, go get a pizza, go out in the sunlight, do something, but it is worth the download. Also, it, it only works for operating systems Windows 98, ME, NT, 2K, and XP. That's right, only for Windows. You cannot get this for Mac. If I'm wrong, email me. Let me know. And, of course, if you are interested in getting this particular free resource, go to www.musicmatch.com. That's music. Match.com. 
Now, next month, I'm going to be dealing with a particular bit of software, and it is for editing audio. That means adding tracks, layers, and different sounds to different things. That program, you'll find out next month. Your name? Your name? Oh, I'm my name. Hi. Oh, I'm Gil Gerard, and uh, I'm an outcast. Are you? All right, everybody, I'd like to talk a little bit about promotion, promoting your products. The worst thing that you can do, obviously, is overhype your project, which also leads us to the second thing, which is underhyping it. Really, where's the happy medium? Well, I think it resides in the time it takes to make it. In regards to fan films, Broken Allegiance was hyped for a long time before it finally debuted. But behind-the-scenes documentaries were able to tie us over. Rise of Nobility has been talked about for a long time and is set to release on September 1st, as of this recording. So, do you flood the boards with posts about your upcoming project? Trying to stay on a schedule that is difficult if you you have a life outside of your projects? Or you could do what was suggested by the Llama Boys. Just finish it without telling anybody you started, say it's coming out in a year, toss up a couple behind-the-scenes docs, then release it. All within the span of about three weeks. You'll look like a miracle worker, and... That would just be the first love excitement with a good-looking project. Let's take a look at what The Matrix did. They came out with The Animatrix, a series of eight anime and one CG short films which told the -the behind-the-scenes story of The Matrix that typically comes from comic books or other forms of extended universe. They didn't have to waste movie time to tell these stories, but they did more than that. They fed the rabid fans' need for more keeping it very fresh in our minds right up until the sequel opened. It also gives you insight to a couple of the situations mentioned in the movie. Situations that didn't need to waste screen time, but needed to be told nonetheless. And that's what kills comic book and video game to big screen translations. They waste time, and they have to change just to make the backstories known. Why not just tell people to read the comic book? Hell, or give them a small free comic book at the theaters as a promotional tool then you don't have to screw with established storylines because you can't create it for the big screen. Or just put it up on the website. Well, that's what they're for. There's also novelizations. And this is a call-out to the creators of Star Wars fandom. Tired of people complaining about your fan film not having substance or your characters are flat? Well, put it on your website. We know it's difficult sometimes to write material in a movie for amateur actors to try to create depth and character. Some some people just are making these movies for fun, but they also want us to watch them, and they want us to think good of their projects. So give us what we need. We need some backstory. It's very difficult to shoot this stuff. We understand. But then we need for us to care about your characters. So make some extended universe for your project. Now, that's what's called going the extra mile. The Blair Witch Project, whether you like the film or not, used the crap out of the internet. That was their advertising. I didn't see a commercial for it up until about a week before the movie came out. Why? They couldn't afford it. Neither can most fan filmmakers. They're not going to be able to you know, put a commercial on national television. So, they, well, the Blair Witch Project used the only other medium that they could, which was the internet, and it's free. So, everybody out there, you know, make those trailers... And here's where the internet is so great, because it's all free. You can put it up, you can leave it up, and you can let people, just guide people to it, and people will learn what they need to know about their characters. That's why I love what Death Star Repairman did. They made their site to look like a newspaper, with some great stories and phenomenal comics. Oh man, if you guys are listening, whoever did your comics, oh, fantastic. 
Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, check it out right now. Stop your player, get online, and go to www.deathstarrepairman.com. It is one of the best promotional sites for fan production ever. Because not only did they tell you, did they, ha- did they have a section about the fan film, but they also had a little bit of fun with it, as if what if their fan film was real. And here's a promotional tool talking about it. What X-Men did when the first X-Men came out, they actually lodged anti-mutant rallies in Washington, D.C. They would get a bunch of people gathered out there, down with mutants. They'd have signs that would just decry the horrible things that are happening to mutants and what the horrible things mutants are doing to humans. You want to know what? That got on national television. That got promoted. Now, I'm not telling you to go hold a rally. Please don't. (laughs) That's the last thing that we would need. But what if there were some way that you could tell people and constantly get people renewed in their mind about your project and have them anticipating it? Behind-the-scenes documentaries worked for Broken Allegiance. A newspaper website worked for Death Star Repairmen. There are lots of different ways to do this, sometimes through an online comic some of the uh, extra stuff that's coming along with, uh, with Second Strike from Nathan Butler. He's got a RPG source book that was, at, that was asked of him to be created. He's got behind the scenes. Blooper reels are also a great way to do it. And, of course, we've also got the Llama Boys. Hell, they came out with a radio show. <laughs> Doesn't get much more self-promoting than that. And that's the neat thing about it because, once again, we found something that we could love. And it doesn't matter whether you're fan audio, fan film, fan fic, fan whatever. If you want it to be popular, make sure it gets known. Make sure it gets advertised. And while you're at it, add some depth. Come up with stuff that people will enjoy. Because if we're all entertained, we'll keep coming back no matter what. And here's your random Busey quote of the month. Friends are just enemies in reverse. Alright, and on to this month's fan comic. Going to be reviewing Jackson's Eleven. Of course, you can find it at www.jacksons11.com. That's www.jaxxons11.com. Now, about fan comics, I love them. I think that they're a great and easy way to take part in the Star Wars universe. And the newest one, of course, is Jackson's Eleven. It's created by Michael Russell and David Strupp. If I butchered your names, I'm sorry. We follow the exploits of Jackson, the seven-foot-tall green rabbit that teamed with Han and Chewie in the Marvel Star Wars universe. He was a mercenary and has to be the silliest character created as a serious addition to the Star Wars universe. Now, this is not Harvey or Frank, and I'm curious to see if how many people get that reference. This character is serious and also hilarious. It is a great, great comic. It is set during the infancy of Jason and Jaina, the Solo Twins. One of the funniest gags is seeing the twins in a baby carrier strapped to the Wookiee's chest in the original Mos Eisley Cantina Experience tourist trap. From there, the jokes keep on coming. Never over the top, but there. Good artwork and a great heist story. Now, what do they steal? Well... You'll have to check it out, but those hardcore EU fans will like it. I like to see comics that follow canon in a serious nature, but then depart from it, divert from it. Very much like Kevin Rubio's Tag and Bink are dead. Now, of course, we don't know if what we saw in that comic book was what really happened. 
We also see the same thing with Stormtrooper Bob, but that's an audio. Now, the Force.net's Chris Hannell, also of Digital Llama fame, has made sure that you will be able to enjoy this comic at TFN's humor section. Or you can go to www.jacksons11.com. And of course, again, that's J A X X O N S 11.com. Now, to Chris, thank you for finding this. Thank you for bringing it to us. Michael and David, you guys are doing great work. Keep it up. Keep them coming. You definitely have fans. All right, now for my reviews of it. The artwork, it's a four. It's great. You can see it's clear. It's decisive. You know exactly what you're looking at. Of course, it's black and white. Now, the reason why they choose black and white is because of the fact that they would like to keep it coming out and not have to waste the time coloring it. That's a good idea because, trust me, it's the content that we're looking for. Now, the story, give it a five. Why do I give it a five? Because the story itself, it's set within a heist genre within Star Wars. You've got funny characters, and so far the characters have not broken out of character yet, which is nice, because sometimes if you're really not sure how a character will act, you kind of make it do whatever you need to to do the storyline. <coughs> Crystal Star, <coughs> excuse me. Now, is it in continuity or is it infinities? Well, it's infinities, but based on canon. It's a funny offshoot of what's established canon. And with uh, back and forth of whether or not the Star Wars, uh, com the Marvel comics are canon, there's, it's nobody's guess. One day they are, one day they aren't. I know there are beneficial sayings that they are, but who knows what it's going to be tomorrow. And originality, I give it a four. The characters themselves aren't original, but the way they're portrayed is. And that, of course, is your fan comic of the month. Jackson's 11. Check it out. Now, this particular segment is a special treat for me. I was able to interview Richard Le Pomontier at the Imperial Quartermaster Convention, which ran August 9th through the 10th in Raleigh, North Carolina. It was my first ever convention, as well as the first time I've been able to interview a celebrity. I'll be playing the highlights from a different interview each month, and of course the full interview will be available for download from the Requiem webpage. Remember to listen closely to this month's celebrity interview for the spoiler for a possible upcoming fan film featuring Admiral Mahdi himself. All right, I'm here at uh, IQM2 uh, right now, and I'm speaking to, go ahead and pronounce your last name, your full name, I'm not going to even try. Richard Le Parmentier. And of course you played Admiral Mahdi in the uh, Star Wars movie. I had that honor, I was that Imperial officer, and still am in many circles. <laughs> now, what is your take on some of these conventions, just fans themselves, dressing up in the Imperial Guard, sometimes modeling themselves after you? Oh, I think that's, that's wonderful. Well, it's again, it's down to fans. Star Wars fans are totally different from any other group of fans, uh, and I think probably everyone knows the, the, the joke, which I heard two years ago at San Diego, of uh, the difference between Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans. Uh, Star Wars fans have jobs. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a way of that Star Wars fans, you know, get into it. They're, they're, they're much more organized, uh, particularly a fan-run convention like this. Um, is so much better than any uh, like uh, fan-run convention by other people, you know, and I've been to a few of them. Uh, they're just better organized, you know. They're better, and they're more fun. I mean, you actually we can go out and have some fun. And the idea that I have stormtroopers 
is something that people really just, you know, they don't understand. And I said, well, just click on the 501 website, you know. To these guys, I'm second in command, you know. Nice. Darth Vader is their worldwide commander, and I'm a heartbeat away from commanding the 501st. And I think it's, you know, it's really neat. Now, um, you mentioned earlier while you were uh, helping one of the one of your folks, uh, you mentioned that you do stand-up. Is that correct? I wrote a stand-up. I don't do stand-up. Oh, okay. It's a real, it's a big thing to do. It's a totally different art form. But I, I did a, uh, a one of the like the third show I did in the states, where it turned out to be a bizarre Star Wars Star Trek convention <laughs> in Denver, where we were snowed in in an early snow, and uh, we were snowed in with twelve hundred Trekkies, which is quite strange. Six hundred of them speaking Klingon. <laughs> So it was a bit odd, but I did a Q&A there, and it was, uh, it was one of those like, golden days in the afternoon. I walked on stage and did this Q&A, 2.15 in the afternoon, and I came off at about two, uh, 3.30. Hmm. And I don't remember a thing that had happened, except that people were just splitting themselves. And I was just, I was on a roll, and I just, it was a really good Q&A. And... I was sitting around. Then some guys came to me about a fan film. They wanted to do a fan film based on the premise that Admiral Mahdi escaped the Death Star and went to live on a tropical planet with uh, some loyal stormtroopers, of course, and some Imperial officers and deserters from the Rebellion and some uh, drunken Wookiees and rabid Ewoks and everything. And then they began to harass... The, uh, the the rebellion, uh, but then they became an embarrassment, and, and Captain Piet was dispatched to terminate the admiral's command and to terminate it with extreme prejudice. And so the idea they were going to call it Muddy now. <laughs> so the whole thing was. So I so I kind of helped them with it with the idea. I helped the idea along, but I couldn't be a part of it. So uh, and of course, but they didn't get it together. So I just always said this. I was sitting around talking with my agent one night, and we just went. I went on a, I went on a, on a riff, and he said, "That is so funny. Why don't you just do a stand-up?" So I did. I sat down, and it took me about three days to write off every, you know, it's really just having a ball with the Empire and the Death Star, you know, and the idea that the Death Star is, you know, I mean, um, and the, my my position of being, you know, a character in Star Wars has always been, you know, considered odious and snide, and you know. But, you know, what, really what a funny guy Marty was, you know, and then I go on to prove it. So uh, I wrote this, and I offered it to Steve Sansweet, and Steve, he's very nice, story, uh, Lucas writes, you know, could I do this in celebration as an entertainment? Because they were asking us to do things, you know. So I said, look, I've come up, I've got a stand-up. So I, I said, do you want me to send it to you? And he said, no, I would rather see it, you know, I want to see it when you do it. But then the scheduling, you know, just it went out the window at celebration, because they, we physically couldn't get to it. There were too many people. There were too many things. You know, we didn't happen. So it's been kind of, it's been awaiting its premiere. Now, would it be possible to uh, get a little, a little riff here? Probably no, not on radio. I'm going to wait till it's. I'm going to be doing it. What we're doing, we're, we're hopefully for next year. We're going to organize the three admirals tour for. Hopefully for two or three of the bigger shows, which, I, which in an ideal world would be San Diego uh, or well, Chicago and Dragon Con, and we're going to go, and that would be consist of Michael Sheard, no, sorry, Richard Le Parmentier, 
Ken Colley and Michael Shear. So I had to get the billing organized there. Um, and there'll be the three of us who so will do it then. I, I would do it. That would be my portion of our free Admiral's tour. Uh, Ken and... Um, I don't know what Ken will do, actually. I think Ken's more the, the Buster Keaton of Star Wars. I think Ken would just react by raising his eyebrow. Be more the straight man. Then. Yes, he would just probably get all the laughs by because he gets more laughs reacting to my not <laughs> reacting to Michael Sheard. Have you seen Michael Sheard work? No, not yet. I haven't. You had haven't any. had that. And he's, he's, yeah. You've seen Michael Sheard work. Did you buy his book? No, I haven't bought his book. You didn't buy the book. You and I, kindred spirits, who are able not to buy the book. He's written three volumes of his autobiography. And he is just the most, I mean, he's the most tactless, bellicose of, of Star Wars personality. And he actually, I'll say this, I don't care if it's on the internet or not, he does drive us mad. But the fact is that he's incredibly entertaining. And... and We've actually evolved when we've been asked to do Q&As together. This has actually evolved as Michael goes into the audience as the Jerry Springer of Star Wars. <laughs> and, and Ken and I rag on him when he asks us questions or he relays questions from the audience. Because he, 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 he can be a little puffed up about himself. And Ken and I, you know, so the whole thing is, like, is evolving into an act. So I said, look, we might as well just do the act, you know, and be done with it. So that is our aim for next year, is to do the three admirals tour at some of the bigger shows. So next year will be, it will be consisting of my legendary stand-up, um, Admiral Ozzel's book signing, and, uh, and Ken Colley's baleful stare at both of us as we, uh, you know, as we rag on and tear... Uh, Star Wars convention? <laughs> anyway, hey, you see, you got a joke as well, you know. Now, of course, we, we were talking, you mentioned uh, earlier about a fan film. Now, what is your take on fan films? Have you seen well, the, uh, Some films? of them are really unbelievably awful. <laughs> I, I cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you. No, they're really. Cheers. Nice meeting you. Take good care. See you, Luke. Yeah. Let's think of your dad named you Darth. Yeah. But you um, mentioned some of the fan films that you've seen are, are quite I'm really interesting. I mean, I've seen a couple down in Florida. Which are unbelievable. But well, then you see something like Troops. And I'd never seen Troops until I did a, uh, I did a literary sci-fi convention. Boy, that's a genre to stay away from. I didn't realize, you know, didn't realize that they were that bad. Uh, There's a bunch of writers, and they sit around and they drink. They just drink. They drank the bar dry at the University of, uh, of Winchester where I went to see, do this. They had to go and have another special delivery brought in. And they drank all that beer. And then they had to go borrow beer and cider from a pub the next day. To satiate, to satisfy their craving for alcohol. But that's the first time I saw troops. And I was absolutely knocked out with it. I couldn't believe it. Then I had great pleasure. I did a signing with Kevin. I met Kevin. So I'm actually going to talk to, after these guys, you know, in Florida didn't do the fan film. And then I saw some of that at work. Uh, they obviously weren't up to it. So I'm, um, I'm going to talk to Kevin about doing Troops, because he's a big Marty fan. He's put me in some of his comics, and he's, so, um, he's done some storylines. So I'm going to, we're going to, Kevin and I are going to maybe try and do it. So that's a, like, hopefully that might be a, that's a, a first. Uh, so you heard it here first. Ah, exclusive. Yes. Exclusive. Yes. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you very much. I do okay. appreciate it. It's, well, thank it's you. It's been a treat, man. I, I really do appreciate it, and, and uh, good luck with the rest of the show. All right. Best of luck. Whew. First episode in the can. I'd like to thank Mr. Nathan Butler for the support, advice, and hosting. Adam Bertacci for the excellent flash tip. Miss Erica Stratford for her wonderful Galaxies Gaming tip. Chris Bray and Shane Purifoy for QAing my show. They might be giants for my theme music. The OC Supertones for my excellent bumper music. You guys rock. Justin Whitlock for the musical clip from The Formula. Richard Lepomontier for my very first celebrity interview and all of his time. And especially you for listening and your time. Thank you very much. Check back in October for the very next show. Requiem of the Outcast only at StarWarsFanWorks.com. 